the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Listening to Ion Real Estate. I'm here with my co-host Stephen Ebert and Dottie Herman, and we have our special guest uh, joining us at now. Actually, Alfred Renner, who's senior managing director of the East Side, and Alfred Renner brings seasoned sales, marketing, management, technology savvy to the position of managing director of the East Side Sales. And he plays a key role in organic growth of the company's flagship East Side office. And he plays a key role in the entire company. Um, he is one of the best managers I know and also a friend. Um, so he's going to talk about the state of New York City and what's really going on. You can call us at 866-970-9622. But before we do that, I would just like to, I think we have a caller on the line. Is it Steve? Uh, is it Jim? Oh. All right, Jim from Manhattan. Okay, I'm sorry, Jim, that we didn't get to you in time. But if you're listening, you can call us back and we'll make sure to take it. I think it was about property of state gift or dollar sale. I'm not sure the tax consequences, I think, if you give it away for a dollar. Um, so anyhow, Alfred. Hi, Dottie. How are you? I'm very good. I, I'm really very good. I busy and um, everything is busy. I, I was uh, telling the audience before, I, I'm very involved with the Citizens for a Safe in New York. It's a non-political group that we started actually in the Hamptons uh, in the summer and it's grown to be huge. And, you know, it's not political and anybody's allowed to come. And it's just people just who really care about New York and want to try to make a difference. Now, I think you may have Why millions join you. you. Why? You may have millions follow you then. We do. I mean, but, they, but we have meetings and people talk and they give ideas and um, they are getting involved. And, I, you know, one of the wonderful things about New York is really, you know, regardless of what you hear. And as I said, the papers like to put negativity. I mean, you know, the sun shining doesn't sell papers. <laughs> so... But truly, as I said last week, when everything opened up, it was like people were rejoicing because if you lived in other states, it really wasn't as tough. The Hamptons wasn't as tough. New York City, it was really tough. Um, They really got probably hit the hardest and they had the harshest rules. So, um, and now real estate, Alfred, you want to give it, I mean, I, I know it's off the wall, but you want to give us what's going on in residential real estate? 
Well, first, Dottie, I have to thank you for inviting me onto your show. I, I want you to be a regular because we always <laughs> want to hear about Manhattan. So I'm glad you said Manhattan because um, we, we normally say New York City and we include all five boroughs. But with the pandemic, Manhattan stood out in that it was truly isolated um, and desolate and quiet during the pandemic. Even Brooklyn and Queens real estate was booming and Staten Island and the Bronx, everything around Manhattan Island was booming. And people were comparing it. Some people were trying to compare it to 9-11 um, and that it'll be back. And then others were saying, this is completely different. This is not 9-11. This will not return um, as people started to exit Manhattan. And I was back in the office a year ago in June. I know, I know. And, and I have to tell you, it was a ghost ship in the office, <laughs> truly a ghost ship. Um, I think there were three of us in, in 100,000 square feet of space. Um, and what... Well, at least you had social distancing out, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> social distancing. But Dottie, what has happened? I mean, last, um, last April was probably the lowest point in terms of contracts that were being signed uh, for Manhattan. It was, it was skyrocketing in in uh, the Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens, but not in Manhattan. And April was the lowest. Then it started to grow. Little by little, the contracts were coming back. The last four months, March, April, I'm sorry, uh, February, March, April, and May of this year, we sold well over a billion dollars in real estate in Manhattan alone. Unbelievable. Okay. Unbelievable. And I, if you were reading the headlines, they were saying it's over, Manhattan can never come back, and all this stuff. And what do I, I always tell people? Never bet against Manhattan, you will lose. It has never been stronger. It's the strongest it's ever been. We have the strongest sales market that has ever taken place in New York City, especially in the borough of Manhattan. Like I said, four months in a row, well over a billion dollars in real estate sales for Douglas Element alone. That's just unbelievable. And I just want our listeners to know, you know, we give it to you straight. So this might sound like hype, but it's not. You know, when it's bad news to report, we report. Uh, but it's incredible. And I think uh, maybe, you know, I, I, I think that the city... It will come back even healthier in the sense that, you know, people were really priced out of New York, you know, Manhattan. I mean, really, that's how Brooklyn got developed and people had to move. And now because the prices have dropped, because they had gotten a little bit out of control. And so what you had was either very wealthy and uh, or you, you know, you know, you or you had renters, but you now have young people who always wanted to live in Manhattan and can now finally obtain getting a place in Manhattan, get renting something. And then people who had apartments now can upgrade to larger apartments. So, um, and I, so I think you'll see a younger Manhattan and, you know, Alfred, we're, you know, I'm sure you remember when we were young and we'd go to Washington square and Greenwich village. And there was always like little boutiques and great, you know, little, shops that you'd never see anywhere and there were people all over playing the guitars and singing and 
I thought Manhattan kind of lost it. It got very commercial. Like the, you know, I don't get me wrong. I love Time Warner and I love, you know, uh, Hudson Yards. But, you know, that reminded me of a mall, okay? I think what you're going to see is a lot of small businesses coming in, different kinds of businesses. Um, and it's going to be maybe, you know, and a lot more young people coming. So I think it's going to really kind of be a little artsy. You know, I thought it kind of lost its edginess. And I think it's going to come back with a little more edginess and not so almost like suburbs. <laughs> you know, Dottie, I think you're right on the money. Um, what happened commercially is that the rents, the property values had gone, climbed so, so high that um, it was very difficult for mom and pop, small mom and pop businesses, those, those u- little unique stores that give flavor to a neighborhood and are unique, um, disappeared because of the rents. And a lot of the national, national brands came in and they aggregated storefronts for big space. And now, you know, some property values have gone down in commercial and, and some rents have gone down, which are now allowing, um, you know, young people in terms of building a business and with entrepreneurial spirit to come in and open up unique shops, which again, will start giving that flavor to the neighborhoods as, as you were mentioning. The other thing is um, uh, studio sales have soared. Really? Studio, studio sales used to be very, very low, very small. I think people just figured, why buy a studio? I might as well just go right for the one bedroom. But as you mentioned, a younger group of people are buying real estate and they're buying and gobbling up studios. And we're seeing studios represent 10, 12, 14% of the sales. Where it wow. never been even measurable before. So there's been a big, big turnover. And yes, it is attracting... Um, a lot of new people, um, listen, a lot of people are returning to the city. And I think what's happened is we've all had the opportunity to reevaluate our lives and lifestyles. And as many people as we have moving out, we have people moving in. Yes. And, you know, when I was in Florida um, in, in the winter, I was in Palm Beach and all I might, I might as well have been in New York City because everybody I knew was there. And they were so happy to be there because Florida was not on lockdown. All the restaurants were open. Everything was open. People were at bars having drinks. So it was like freedom. Uh, and people were like so happy to be there. And then so many people saying, well, I'm not going back. But after a couple of months of being there, they missed New York. And so there was a period of time, I think it would be January, February, March, where the weather was bad. You know, we had a tough winter. Everything was pretty closed, you know. And if you like to eat out uh, in 20-degree weather, then maybe. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not one of ones that sit there with scarves and five hats on and enjoy don't, dinner. Don't order the not- soup. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that period of time, there was a lot of negative press because... People were feeling, hey, you know, I, I was going back. And then someone said to me, well, what are you going back for? There's nothing even open. So, but then people said, you know, wait a second, I miss New York. And I think the surge was really now back to New York and, and second homes. I think that people, the second homes are going to be very popular. And when I say popular, maybe not 
more popular than in driving distance because I think it'll be like co homes. Like if you have a second home in Aspen, that's a whole hassle. You have to get the plane and this and that. But if you have something in the Jersey Shores or the Hamptons or the North Fork, you know, you can just, you know, maybe you have a slow day at work. You can just take a drive out and, and enjoy like a whole different setting. So I think that you're going to see second homes really important, like really being where people have kind of co homes. Uh, but now I mean, I we, were, you- we were we were selling second homes to people in the early stages of the pandemic. There were people that said, "Look, this is not going to be forever. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity right now, Outward. which was last summer." And you know, things were very negotiable last summer, last July and August. But that was the end of it. That was the the golden oh, yeah. opportunity to steal something. Not, Those not who did today. it ahead of the crowd. But it's, I can tell you, and, and Alfred, you're out in the Hamptons too. People are paying $100,000, over ask price. The rentals, what people are paying is unbelievable. So many people I know who don't rent their houses rented this year because, and a lot of people said, you know what? Like I told people last week, if you're thinking of selling your home in the next five years, do it now because there's like it's unbelievable. Um, and the city, would you say that you know we have a window before it really starts to go up again? I, I listen. You know what, Dottie? We already have bidding wars. Um, that's already happening where people have been losing out on properties. Going back a, a couple of few months, really two three months ago, those bidding wars started. So, you know, how much will real estate escalate? Well, we're not projecting that it's going to go down uh, anytime soon. I think people are excited about rejuvenating their lifestyles and staying home for the past year. People realize that homes are the most important place where you spend your time, where you rejuvenate um, and people want to change their abodes. What do they say? There's no place like home. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I watched this during 9-11, but for different reasons. People would say, gee, can you get me a, a, a larger house in the Hamptons? I want my family. They want them to be close to their family because your home is your safety net. Yes. And whether it's small, whether it's big, it's where you feel safe. And I think that now... And I don't think this trend will stop. I think it's going to continue. Homes are even more important because yes. we spend so much time in them. And it's, it's where we, 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 we spend our time and, and, and people are now, you know, and when you're sitting in your home all day, people are spending fortunes. I know you can't get any workers anymore. I mean, everything, there's no stock on things. Um, so it's been a great run, and who would have guessed? Because I remember talking to somebody uh, in the company, and he said, Dottie, it's over. I said, what do you mean? They go, it's over. New York is over. This is when everything first happened. Who would expect that we had the greatest market we've ever had? But even after 9-11, the same thing, not to the extent that this did, but the same thing happened. Everyone ran away from the city. Everyone moved far away. Uh, and they said, oh, nobody will buy downtown. And by no means will anyone buy a high floor. Well, P.S., downtown after 9-11 became 
the hottest place to live at the time. And the higher the floor, the more the money. So it, it, it seems like when you're the epicenter, it draws more people. Yeah, yeah. Well, by the way, Alfred, do you, are you seeing any parts of the city that are having more trend? Is there, are there any more? Are you seeing people gravitate to certain parts of the city? Or are they all kind of equal? Or what are you seeing? Well, what I can tell you is the the one exception to the this bursting market is the uber uber luxury market, maybe over 10, 15, 20 million dollars. And I a lot of those buyers that buy in these very high-end uh, luxury buildings are questioning their tax situation. Mm. So, so and I hear it's going to get raised higher. Right. So that so that's a segment of the population that has the ability to live anywhere in the world. Um, and they they're deciding what to do. Do they sell the big place? Do they buy a small place? Um, do they change their residency? So fortunately, the market doesn't depend on that segment. It's an exciting segment. You know, when we sell a 40, 50, 75 million dollar apartment, it always gets a lot of attention. That's not the business. You know, the business is uh, is one, two million, three million dollar properties under a million dollars. But those are always fun and exciting. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Now, I will tell you this. Normally, with um, condominium sales, 25, 30 percent of our sales are foreigners. Up until this point, we're only seeing 10 percent of the foreigners buy. And that's because they can't travel. Right. They can't travel. But once now I'll tell you this, they're out there in the foreign countries watching what's happening here in Manhattan and they're salivating. They want in, but they have to wait until their travel bans are completely lifted. Once those travel bans are lifted from Europe and South America and Asia, then we are going to see another surge of competition in buying real estate and buying expensive real estate in Manhattan. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And, you know, it shows you the resiliency and, you know, New York is New York. And, and, and I, I, you know, I don't think anyone predicted, we predicted it would come back, but, you know, not the same way. I mean, it's just crazy. Now, let me ask you, and I have Stephen on with us. We were talking about this before you got on. Okay, what do you think is going to happen when they lift the ban on, you know, the rents and the condos and people have to start paying again? You know, do you think that we're going to see a lot of evictions? Um, do you think, um, do you Ooh, think that's going to affect the market? Uh, that's a very good question. And I think a lot of that has to do with each individual's personal situation. Um, if someone truly doesn't have an income and they can't pay, that's one segment. But I think a lot of other people will be happy to um, continue paying the rent and contributing their share. And well, Alfred, I told Stephen and I told the, our listeners that yesterday I... Uh, went on and I said I went on Google and I said I live in the city and I haven't paid rent since the pandemic I said and now that the, that the ban is getting lifted sometimes in July or whatever 
I had I don't have money. What should I do? And they said they put money on and they forty-eight states have legal aid that will help you through, and they passed the bill to help people who have financial difficulties be supplemented, or you know, by the state. And the states are all different, so um, but so well, there is help on the way. There is there is a lot of money pouring into New York City, and oops. Taking a turn? Is it time to call it quits? Do complex matters such as custody, alimony, child support, prenups, and financial matters make your head spin? Then tune in every Sunday evening at 5 for Should I Stay or Should I Go? With attorney Tanya Helfand from Helfand & Associates. With over 25 years of experience, Tanya will guide you through the confusing world of family law so that everyone can make the right decision. It's Should I Stay or Should I Go? Sunday evenings at 5 on AM 970, The Answer. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing, but are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo for Pat Lafreda Meat Purveyors. You know they supply many of New York and New Jersey's finest restaurants. Yes, like 1,600 of those restaurants. Now you can get the same high-quality selection of meats for your most important customer, your own family. Lafreda deals in only premium 100% black Angus cattle raised and grazed in the United States. Their only focus is meat. You won't find any frozen side dishes or any gimmicks here. Offering every kind of meat and every cut like a tomahawk bone-in ribeye porterhouse center cut filet just to name a few supplying only the highest quality beef pork lamb veal poultry and america's best burger chopped meat blends shipped overnight cut the night you place your order and always fresh never frozen order online please at lafreda.com l-a-f-r-i-e-d-a lafreda.com Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join us for the Safe Money Radio Show, Saturday afternoon at 3. You can also call now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Information Kit and 115-page Safe Money Book at 844-751-SAFE. That's 844-751-SAFE. 844-751-7233. The Safe Money Radio Show, Sunday afternoon at 3 on AM 970. The answer. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. 
We're back. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. I'm Zadie Herman. I'm here with Stephen Ebert, a legal expert, and Alfred Wetter, who is one of our leading management people running New York City. And uh, obviously, Alfred, you look like you're 35, but you've been doing this for so many years and you're a real estate family. I mean, like your sisters are all in real estate. And um, I, one of your sisters bought real estate in Italy before the pandemic. Oh, um, so yeah. you're a real, real, how long have you been in real estate out? Well, you know, you, you want the truth? <laughs> well, you started when you were 10. <laughs> Since the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen, you've lived through a lot of different markets and, um, so what would you equate this to? I mean, I don't know if you can compare it to anything I've seen. Uh, it's just, I think it's kind of a rebirth. And I think it's kind of a rebirth of New York City. I think that the pandemic has lasting effects. I mean, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're reading the papers, they're saying they can't get people to come back to work. They'll say, we'll work, but we want to work from our homes. Okay. We don't want to go back to the offices. Uh, so, uh, you know, how are you finding that? I mean, but, you know, with real estate, you don't have to be in the office all the time anyway. So well, the, um, what the pandemic forced us to do was to accelerate our remote working program for the agents. So you can truly do everything. You can sell real estate, sign a contract and have a closing without ever stepping outside of your, your living room <laughs> if you wanted to. So we've, we now have that opportunity. Everything with, because of technology allows us to do everything online. However, those agents that do come to the office um, choose to come to the office because either they like the camaraderie, they want to change the scenery, um, they need to get out of their homes because maybe somebody else or some others are in the house and they can't focus. But it's what's nice about it is that it's a choice now to come into the office. And uh, after a year of being on a ghost ship, I have to tell you, it's a pleasure when I see agents and employees walking into the office and everyone is very excited. We also just removed the requirement to wear a mask um, if you're vaccinated. So, you know, people are like throwing their masks up in the air like it's a graduation day. <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Somebody yelled at me yesterday. I, I my mask fell under my nose, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I like, you know, but most places are saying if you're vaccinated, you know, it's an honor system, and so be it. I think um, that we're just kind of at the point where enough. And by the way, the city will really fully reopen when Broadway opens up in September. Um, I think it's uh, very exciting. And I know I was at restaurants and it was like people were just so happy. Just so happy to see each other, so happy to be out again, so happy to be back. And New York is back. Um, I, you're seeing condos and co-op sales. Is there any difference or are you seeing them equal or? It's, it's roughly equal, but like I said before the break, um, once foreigners are able to travel freely, I believe that um, we're going to go back up to 25-30% of the transactions will be properties purchased by, by foreigners when it comes to condos. And with co-ops, we're at about 5% foreign buyers. That'll probably go back up to about 10-12%. So New York City, uh, Manhattan specifically, and Brooklyn um, has a lot of competition. 
of buyers. You know, it's not just a local market. It's a local market. It's a bedroom market. It's a national market. It's a foreign market. Um, you know, that's what keeps the vibrancy of Manhattan is uh, the people. The people, and it's kind of a mixed bag. And I find that, you know, uh, when I first came to Douglas Elementary, you know, I was from Long Island and I went to the city for social things and to go out and go to clubs and stuff like that. But once I started working in Manhattan, um, opposed to Long Island, I felt, no, don't get me wrong, I love Long Island, but I felt that it's such a mixed bag. Every, I mean, every language that you could ever think of is spoken, every race, every creed, and everyone kind of lives on top of each other, but it somehow works. And I think it's an example for the world to see how you can put all these people together even the naked cowboy. I haven't seen him around. Maybe he was cold. Okay. Uh, and it just works. Okay. Um, you know, Alfred, I, if you want to stay on, stay on because we want to, we promised our listeners we would talk about there. A lot of them are asking about questions about uh, foreclosures and short sales and what you're sure, going to stay on. Okay. So, Stephen, so many people have, have, have asked us, okay. What's a short sale and does it benefit me? What's the benefit to it? Sure. Yeah, so a short sale is when, unfortunately, a homeowner has negative equity in the property where if they were to try to sell the property right now and the, and the price they could get, it actually would not be enough to cover all the legal fees, broker fees, taxes, and then the mortgage. So what they're doing is they're making a request to the lender to say, look, We'd like to be able to sell the property, but we're going to be a little bit short on the money we're going to pay you on the mortgage. Um, please work with us and agree to accept less money than what's owed. So that's the fundamental uh, background of a short sale. The mm -hmm. bank so has no the, obligation. It's when, the, mm -hmm. it's when the seller can't pay what's left on their mortgage. Correct. So they're looking to the lender to accept less money on a payoff. Now, what happens is the government's always gonna charge what they're gonna charge, the transfer taxes that are there, right? That's not gonna change. And so what happens is the banks have no obligation to accept less money, but the bank is going to make an economic calculation. Does it make more sense to be out of this deal now, get less money than what's legally owed to us, with the understanding that if we don't accept the deal now, we might get way less, might have a property on our books, which is another thing to talk about, what we call REOs, and we can get to that later. And banks really don't like being in that business, and rightfully so. So in trying to do a short sale, though, the homeowner needs to look at a few different things. You're trying to convince the bank to take this deal. It's to say, look, this is a much better deal for the bank. Now, the bank is going to analyze it from a few different ways. Number one, has the market moved in such a way in which that is really an appropriate price and there's not really going to be an increase in the value to be able to catch up and pay that down? So that's really one of the first things they look at. And they're going to look at what they call BPOs, a broker price opinion letter. They're going to have appraisals. They're going to want to see if the number makes sense. The second thing the banks are going to look at is what about the fees that are being paid? For example, is the real estate 
is the real estate agent broker fee commission, is that appropriate or not? So they are going to have some limits in there as to what brokers can be paid on the transaction. And even if the real estate brokerage cut a deal with the homeowner as to a certain commission, the banks could come back and say, no, we're not going to accept that amount of a commission. Well, the, the I mean, third listen, part, hmm? okay, finish the third part because sure. basically, the third part, you know, go ahead. Well, let, let me finish that. The third part is also the economics of the homeowner selling. What happens is when you sign your mortgage documents at your closing when you acquire property, what does the note say? It says, I promise to pay. It says, I, the borrower, promise to pay the lender back this amount of money according to these terms. It does, it, it's, it, it's like getting married in good times and in bad times, right? It doesn't say, I only promise to pay if the property value goes up. So that is an unconditional promise. So what the bank is going to look at, say, wait a minute, if we're going to give you a break on this, then we want to look at your economics. If you're, let's say, $50,000 short, from being able to pay off the mortgage in full and the bank sees that you have a million dollars in the bank they're going to say no why should the uh, bank be shorted when you can make up the difference directly so you really got to fit all three does the deal make sense are the fees reasonable and are you personally in an economic situation that justifies getting some assistance those are the three pillars even right. begin doing a short sale. And I love that you give the legal aspects of it. Now I'm going to give you just the basic real estate aspects of it. It's not like a foreclosure auction where you're going to bid on properties. You are actually dealing with the seller and the seller, obviously, if you can do a short sale as a seller, you want to, because at least you have some control over that deal. Um, when someone comes, if they give you an offer, that you think is decent, it's not you know, gonna cover maybe your mortgage. The banks, as Steven said, don't want to be in the home business. They don't wanna have homes. So you know, if it's, if it's close uh, or you know, not too far off, you might be able to put a deal together, which then allows you as a person, I mean, look, it's horrible to have to be thrown out of your house, but at least you're not foreclosed where a certain date you have to get out. You can figure out the closing date with that buyer um, and it's a much better way to do it not that any way is pleasant and as far as the buyer goes you might be able to get a very nice deal okay now, now um, Dottie I do want to mention after well, Dottie I just want to mention yeah, but yeah after the break there's some tax break. things to keep in mind also which All are right. important to bring up yes so you'll talk about the tax consequences right after the break We'll be right back. We're talking about store sale. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients, that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. 
That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 500 relieffactor.com. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. The Tunnels to Towers Foundation, as you know, has been supporting our nation's heroes and their families since 9-11. And to mark 20 years this year, the foundation is giving 120 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. To honor America's fallen heroes, the foundation's chairman and CEO, Frank Siller, is walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and on to ground zero. His more than 500-mile journey through six states in 42 days begins August 1st and fittingly finishes on 9-11 at Ground Zero. It's a moving tribute. The foundation is bringing back Towers of Light to the memorials at the Pentagon and in Shanksville in September. Help America to never forget America's greatest heroes. Do good, please, in their honor. Please help out. It's only $11 a month. It goes to T2T.org. It's just like that. T, the number two, and then T.org. So proud to tell you about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join us for the Safe Money Radio Show Saturday afternoon at 3. You can also call now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Information Kit and 115-page Safe Money Book at 844-751-SAFE. That's 844-751-SAFE. 844-751-7233. The Safe Money Radio Show, Sunday afternoon at 3 on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. I'm here with Stephen Ebert, myself, Dottie Herman, and Alfred Renner. And we're talking about short sales. And uh, obviously, we'll continue that. Next week, where we'll talk about foreclosures and auctions and how you bid on them. Um, and Stephen wants to talk about the taxes. But before I do that, I just want to urge you that if you are a seller and you run into financial difficulties, you don't want to be foreclosed and have the house taken away. If you can do a, a short sale, first of all, there's a credit score advantage. Because a short sale is highly preferable from a personal credit score point of view. You know, your credit goes down a lot worse. It gets a lot worse when you have a foreclosure. Um, So, and it protects your your score. It keeps them in the game and you'll be able, you'll be better able to buy another home down the road without the burden of significant foreclosure on your credit score. And emotionally, you know, your home is your biggest financial, for most people, investment that they made. 
and it avoids the worst case scenario where foreclosure, where the home is sold and somebody knocks on your door and says, you're out tomorrow, okay? So, um, and you also save on some homes, uh, some home sale fees because the commission on a short sale is paid by the bank, not by the, sell, by the uh, seller. So you don't have to pay the real estate commission. Now, Stephen, you wanted to talk about some tax issues or... Stephen, are you there? Did I lose sorry, you? Sorry, if you can hear me. Can you hear me, Donnie? Yeah, now I can. Now yep. I can. Yes. Great. So th there's a couple other points I just want to mention, which are very heavily tax-driven. Tax Remember, again, we need to convince if you want to have a successful short sale for the bank to go along. So banks do view and analyze short sales very differently when somebody is selling their primary residence through a short sale versus an investment property. It is easier, not saying it's easy, but it's easier to get your short sale consummated when it's your primary residence than an investment property. But what you have to watch out for is there's a tax issue. When you get money from your job, you have income, income tax. When you mm -hmm. get, earn, get money from an estate, there's estate tax. But when you get money from a mortgage, do you pay as a recipient a tax? Yes, New York City has, you know, a New York State a mortgage recording tax, but that has nothing to do with income tax in the same way, because even though you get a dollar from the bank, you owe a dollar back. There's no income. Well, who, who right? are we talking about? But look, look, if, I, if I can, let, let me, yeah, let me just finish this off for a moment, please, so I can, because there's a few steps to explain. So when you get a dollar from a loan, you also owe the dollar back, so you don't owe income tax on that, right? But what happens is if you don't have to pay that dollar back, what happens? And the federal tax code has a concept called cancellation of indebtedness income, right? If you give a loan and then you say, ah, you don't have to pay it back to me, the bank is allowed to take that write down as a business loss, which means they can issue you and they will issue you a 1099 showing that there is income earned. So you gotta be very careful because the law has evolved at various different stages. If it's an investment property, a second home or your primary residence, it's treated differently. So you gotta be very, very careful that when you're doing a short sale to also talk to your accountant because you could have this surprise income tax event and you're not mm -hmm. gonna be aware about it to next year, right? If you do a short sale today, you get your 1099 next January, end of January, 2022. And then all of a sudden, you might be in for a very unpleasant surprise when you file your tax, your income taxes. So make sure you always speak to a lawyer who understands this and an accountant so you don't get caught. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So I think that's a good tip. Don't do this without first consulting your attorney or your, your accountant. Um, but if you decide to go through with it, um, then you, um, if you decide to go through with it, then, you know, it, it's, it's really could be a very good thing for you because as a buyer, you probably will be getting a reduced price, um, hopefully, and uh, somebody who really wants to sell their home and is motivated. And then of course the bank has to agree um, 
but they want to cut a deal. So a low ball offer has a better chance of being accepted in a short sale than a traditional home sale. And the brokers know when there's a short sale. Um, there might be, I don't think there'll be less competition. I think there'll be just as much, if not more. Um, but the negative part is that it takes longer because you're dealing with the bank getting involved. So it's probably going to be a longer process. And again, you could have lender interference because you really can't do that without getting the consent of the banks. So that's... Yeah, um, and, and Dottie, most of the points I've been making is from the seller side. From a buyer's point of view on, on, on a short sale, your one big risk is can the seller get lender approval? But as long as they get lender approval, this is like a regular purchase transaction. So your risk is if you're a buyer, you need to be a buyer who's flexible, right? If you sign a contract today in June and your lease expires July 31st and you need to be in by August 1, you know, short sale might be the wrong choice for you, right? Be because the closing day can really move around a lot. But if you're a buyer who has flexibility, then there, there are some really interesting opportunities there for you as a buyer. Yeah. And this is a big subject. So next week, we'll kind of recap short sales again. And then we'll go into REOs, uh, which are, own, are bank properties that are the bank owns, and then we'll go into auctions where you actually go to the step and you bid on homes and the pluses and minuses of that and how you do that and how you where and the places that you can find because you can look up and find what what properties are in foreclosure. So we'll be, you know, we'll continue the subject. We don't have time to finish it this week. But in the few minutes I have left, I would like to say to Alfred. Um, besides being a great real estate broker and real manager, and uh, you've always been great with the technology and the market reports, uh, you wrote a book, and it's called Negotiating New York, Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Real Estate, and it's by Joanne Douglas, Joanne, Joanne which is your sister and yourself, and uh, could you tell us a little about it? So, yeah, my, I happen to be um, very close with my sisters and uh, we tra we're actually friends. So we travel a lot. We go to Italy a lot. And uh, we also all have a love of real estate. So, so um, one evening, Joanne and I were having dinner and we thought about writing a book because there's so many incredible stories that each one of us have in real estate. When you're in brokerage, it is the best circus of wonderful people and experiences and every transaction is unique every broker is unique every deal is unique and so we just started writing down stories and then as we were writing down stories we also wrote down stories of our lives and and we realized very clearly that that real estate parallels uh, not only the actual real estate, but our personal lives and how our, our, our lives have evolved. And you mentioned earlier, one of my sisters was building real estate in Italy. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, so, so I have, like I said, I have three siblings and we, we all have, uh, we're all in the Hamptons as well as Manhattan. But the one sister ventured off to Italy and decided to gut a villa and rebuild it, <laughs> which is- I remember the, that. 
which is a book in and in of itself and her adventures of, of, of writing, of uh, building a property. So the book is, is uh, parallels our personal lives and our real estate experiences. And um, it was a lot of fun doing it and going through the years. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, sort of a bittersweet experience when you write a book that's a very, very personal. Um, but, you know, we had a lot of fun writing it and, and we'll probably uh, revise it as well now. And how do people get that on Amazon? On Amazon, yes. It's yeah, on Amazon. It's a great book. I read it. I, it's a great book and it's very real. You know, it's a, a book. And, you know, when I talk about real estate, I say, you know, real estate is kind of like a universal language. Everybody wants to know about real estate. Okay. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what age you are. I don't care how much money you have or you don't have. Um, everyone wants to know about it. Sometimes I have to say, back off. I can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> I remember I walked into Palm Beach and they're like, what do you think? You think we should buy here? Do you think we should do this? Well, I said, you know, I like Palm Beach, but I'm not an expert on prices or things of that nature there. Uh, but everyone really, really loves it. And I just have to say that. Um, yeah, Alfred, I love you. Steven, I think you're fantastic. And the most important thing, and I've said this many days, if you put the proper team together, the right, the right attorney, and make sure you use a real estate attorney, uh, not just some son-in-law that doesn't really want to do it anyway, okay, um, because it's cheap. And you get the right company. And of course, I... I I can't say enough about Douglas Feldman. I, I think it speaks for itself. Um, and the brokers are great. Plus, we really spend tons of money on education and making sure everyone's updated. Uh, and we're all over the place. I, I, I've lost track already. <laughs> so um, I just want to say that, you know, it's the team that you put together. And so when you're buying real estate, you make sure you get the right broker the right attorney, okay, because, and the right lender. And, of course, I ace is here today, but ace is the best. Um, so I'm wishing everyone, I think the weekend's going to be hot but wonderful. Signing off, and we'll be here next week. Thank Have you, Dottie. Love you, too. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.